Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And today, a much different tone to our podcast, guys. I feel like I feel like this is going to be a lot more of a positive one, and we're definitely going to be taking a glass half full approach uh, to this. So, first and foremost, Sam, how you doing, man? I feel refreshed, man. Uh, it was, I said last episode uh, that. I was happy that Frank got sacked because uh, I just wanted it to be over with. I didn't want to have to deal with every match and thinking, oh my god, is he going to be there? Is he not? Like, that was just a headache. So now that we have someone in that has implemented something that resembles a system and uh, resembles someone that uh, you know has to ha- knows how to give instructions and implement tactics, uh, it was... It was a fresh sight. That's that's for sure. It was very refreshing. Andres, uh, are we going to win the league now? We're going to close the gap. Yeah. Nein, nein. <laughs> wir sind viel gut heute, aber wir nicht die besten Mannschaft. Oh yeah, Whoa. we got we have Tuchel. We have Tuchel on as a special guest, by the way, for those of you who <laughs> we, we forgot to mention that. So um, uh, I thought Tuchel, we had to go you? German for the manager. Is that is that not what we're doing today? Yeah, you can. <laughs> I don't understand. No, I say we, Guten we are... Morgen. I know how to say that. Good morning. Good morning. Are... Are... How come I didn't know you? How did I didn't know you were fluent in, in German? Uh, you lived there. I wouldn't say fluent. Sounded like you were. I mean, it was a little, uh, <laughs> a little rusty. But like, I mean, you got a sentence together there off the top of the dome. Hey, yeah. I mean, you got to bring it out when you can. But uh, to answer your question, are we favorites? No. Was there a immediate improvement to our tactical nuance on the pitch? Yes. Yeah, I could kind of agree with that. I mean, that that's kind of like the approach I'm taking kind of for the rest of the season here. A- after we recorded last time, I, I took a step back. I, I-, I relaxed. And I, and I kind of just observed everything from a different perspective. After I meditated, of course, and uh, and the perspective I took was a positive one. Like I really, s- sort of like you, Sam. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm like hyped or or like I'm overly excited, but it's definitely refreshing to just kind of have a clean slate. Like there was one specific close up of Timo Werner in the middle of the match, and I remember, and I just remember thinking to myself. You know, even though this guy's not starting, I wonder what's going through his head. He's probably feeling a little more confident than he was a week ago when Frank was manager. And that's not a dig at Frank. That's just kind of like a, an ode to the to the fresh start that we, that we have now. So it's a good feeling, boys. Yeah, I think just, I mean, last thing about Frank. I think Chelsea fans, myself included, kind of talked themselves into the idea that you know, Frank, the club legend, was going to come and, you know, be also a legend as a manager, take us to glory. And, like, we wanted that to happen so bad that we're kind of annoyed that it didn't happen. Like, we, like, there's a lot of people that didn't want him to get sacked because they wanted to hold out hope for that. But that wasn't happening. And I think now I have renewed hope for this season. Like, I, I can't believe I was so happy with a draw today. Cause I mean, you you gotta give you gotta give Tuchel credit. 
you know, they had their first training session less than 24 hours before kickoff. Like, they only met for one hour. Uh, like, I can't even imagine what, you know, the past 48 hours were for him. I mean, such such a crazy turn of events for him. And uh, to come in, implement his system, and you really were able to see the instructions that he was given to his players. Um it, it it was it was really nice to see and i think i think top 4 is not quite out of reach even though we only finished with one point uh from this past match uh it it's and we and we played against the wolves team that was just really out of form so it made it look a little bit worse uh just a lot a lot that made me excited and i mean the first thing which i think this is what surprised everyone was Cho at wing back because there was there were rumors last night that we would be playing in a 3-4-3 and uh those ended up being true and i was very surprised to see that cho was uh gonna be lined up there but um apparently tukul did that a lot with uh with pulisic at dortmund so um he definitely implemented has implemented a style that gets the best out of you know skilled wingers uh in that position and i mean i like cho has no experience playing that position and i know he did play a lot more as a winger than he did uh as a wing back but still he he uh he definitely like he he made a lot of runs back recovered i mean obviously he had that that uh pretty much a game saving block on a counter attack which probably would have ended as a goal. But um, I think that was just... That, once Pulisic came in uh, in the second half, that's when Cho went to you know, the left side and he really stepped up his defensive responsibilities. Uh, Zach, uh, I want to start off with you. Are, are you surprised at what you saw today with, with, with what his performance? With Cho specifically, not really. I mean, we we always knew that there was a that there was a crazy performance in him, and I and I guess we kind of got it today. Um, yeah, the finishing product wasn't there in terms of uh, him actually getting a goal or an assist, but he seemed to do everything else right. And and the crazy thing is, when we initially saw the team sheet, we're thinking, okay, this is probably going to look something like a back four, and Cho's going to be the one to push a little bit forward. Um, but in fact, it was actually Chilwell and Cho both pushing forward together at the same time. So Cho was actually playing a traditional wingback role. He wasn't just an extra body out wide to create that width. He was actually defending at times as well. And I think, you know, that save he had, especially on the donker, uh, probably sealed the man of the match fate for him uh, for the night. But just overall, you know, the energy he displayed, the confidence he showed, which is something Tuchel spoke about specifically, um, just right off the bat, you know, Cho's kind of oozing that that sort of confidence and, and he's seizing his opportunity so good for him you know he, he's going to get a lot more playing time under Tuchel and I'm I'm actually really curious to see what kind of plans he has for him because the interesting thing was um, you know when we brought Pulisic later uh, on the pitch later on uh, Cho switched out to the left where he's also very comfortable also so um, curious to see how Tuchel's going to kind of balance that you know we have a lot of wingers that could play on both sides we have and, and a lot of wingers that like to play sort of inverted um but Cho seems to be our only one that uh is comfortable going wide 
Um, and, and this match definitely showed it. Yeah, I I don't know if he was quite the the traditional wingback. I thought in the first half that he was lined up there, but I don't think he asked quite that was covering the, the far right side of the field at all times. I think the instruction, at least in the first half, was for him to stay as more of a right midfielder on defense and chill well tucks back in to make it back four. Um, I thought he was still pretty high off the pitch, off possession in the first half. But in the second with Pulisic coming on, I definitely saw him track back. I mean, at that point, Chilwell was out. Tuchel wanted to go for the win. And and Cho put in the extra miles to get his butt back on defense. And, and like Sam said, at one point almost saved the game for us. Uh, I thought he was the only player who who tried not to go straight off the book in terms of what maybe Tuchel's spoke about yesterday in practice maybe mount after he came on very late was the other player but yeah the only thing that was missing was for him to get an assist which he probably deserved with a few of the crosses he put in as well as as a goal for himself at the end when he tried to to shoot from right outside of the edge of the box so yeah pretty impressed i mean we talked about how this the new manager is going to make it feel like a new season and i think cho is one of the players who probably feels mo- most hard done by Lampard in terms of the amount of minutes he deserved. And, and now he has a clean slate under Tuchel. Hey, Zach, you ready for this? You're about to be so impressed by my tactical analysis. Um, yes. So I was I was uh, reading up a little bit on Tuchel, and I, uh, I was watching a video uh, of an interview, and he talked about how in training he emphasizes working in very, very narrow corridors so that, you know, that during the match uh, – they're you know they're they're all in the proper space so it looked like they had like six corridors total like three on the left three on the right and you know you can just see cho obviously was always on the wide right um and then you would see on the right side at least uh dave and whether it was kovacic or Jorginho in front of him uh always being in two different channels if uh, if if Dave went out right wide, uh, he would also move one. Uh, whoever was in front of him would also move one corridor to the side. Uh, so just so that I, I noticed that there was a, in a lot of buildup. Obviously, if stuff wasn't working out, they would circulate it back again. But whether it was Jorginho or or Kovacic bringing the ball up. They had like four or five open guys all through diagonal balls because they're standing in the right spot. And this is just something that like you, you we did not see anything like this, like any resemblance under Frank. And uh, it was just really it was really interesting to see. And it was exciting. Like, I mean, this should this should be basic stuff, to be honest. But um, I thought like with the dub, both Jorginho and Kovacic played that double pivot role. I can't believe I'm saying this, but they both played phenomenally. Kovacic more than Jorginho, but I don't know. I mean, Jorginho didn't re- – <laughs> there weren't many moments where he pissed me off, and usually there's like 10 or 20 uh, in a normal match. But uh, what, what did you make of that, Zach? Did you, what do you think of my analysis, first of all, second of all? Um, what did you think of what you saw? <laughs> No, it was impressive. Um, nice. No, I mean, nice. you're, you're right. I, I think what I think what Tuchel um, kind of orchestrated in that little training session was 
um, you know, just just a basic game plan to just give us op- an opportunity to win the match. And that's something that we saw with with exactly what you're saying, Sam. Um, players getting into good positions and maintaining control of the match. I mean, those are two things that I think we did really well today. And um, and frankly, I think we were unlucky to get a winner. Um, you know, around the 60, 65th minute, it, it, you did get the sense that it's coming. You know, it's, it's only a matter of time. And, um, you know, I think it was right about the time when Neto decided to go on his fancy little run and dribble our whole defense to create that chance for himself. That's kind of where we started to get a little bit timid um, because that was the first real genuine opportunity that Wolves had to, to kind of steal it from us. So, I mean, overall, I'm really excited for what Tuchel has in store tac- tactically. Um, and, and that was something I was kind of alluding to with Cho, like how he's comfortable on the left and the right-hand side. Where does where does, uh, where does does Tuchel really see Cho's long-term future? Um, and, you know, it, it might be that nobody really has a long-term future in any particular position here. I mean, if you look at Cho's – or Cho, if you look at Tuchel's, um, you know, past teams – uh, he's constantly rotated his squads, especially at the fullback positions too. And he's and, and he's also been known to to help players transition into completely different positions as well, like he did with with Rafa Guerrero at at, uh, at Borussia Dortmund. So, you know, there's just so much chopping and changing to be done, um, and so little that we've seen so far. Um, but 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 based on what we did see, um, and the talent that our team has, I think that. I think that Tuchel has has every uh, – or let me rephrase that. I don't think Tuchel has an excuse um, for this to not eventually work after, you know, uh, after a certain grace period here. And also you know that Tuchel is very keen on rotation. Um, you don't really see – you know, you see the handful of players that play – uh, you know, 75 to 80 percent of the the team's uh, minutes per season. Uh, so I think you saw a little bit of that. Uh, he mentioned after the match that uh, we really shouldn't pay too much close attention to who we selected as a starting eleven, as <laughs> he just uh, picked it based off of experience. And um, you know, the, it was their first match together. It was it was a big, it was an important match. And I don't blame him for that. So that's why you saw Giroud uh, at striker. That's why you saw Rudiger in, instead of Zuma. Um, and that, that's why you saw Jorginho as well. But uh, And then we also have a match coming up later this uh, Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Days. I was right. thinking it was just rotation for the most part. Uh, and the fact that if yeah. you look at our last few matches against Wolves – we do better when we match their formation. And and one thing that if you, you do a little bit of research on Tuchel, you hear that he changes not not his overall style, but at least the setup on the pitch based on each opponent. So I highly doubt we play a back three come this weekend against Burnley, who run a very obvious 4-4-2. So... I expect a back four again this weekend, and I don't expect Aspie. I don't expect Cho to be playing a defensive position. Uh, I highly doubt we'll see Jorginho and Kovacic both be in the double pivot. So, yeah, I I think this was more, more much more of a rotational 
move as well as maybe a little bit of a political move on his part. Hey, to the pissed off players who didn't get any minutes, I'm here. I'm going to give everyone a fair shot. I don't know. I, I'm not thinking too much of the 11. I don't. I, I wasn't thinking too much of the 11 in terms of um, in terms of him picking like a favorite. I mean, he even said it was a difficult one to pick, and it was rotational. I agree with that too. But the Jorginho selection was one that, I mean, initially I was. I I, I, I I would be a liar if I said I wasn't surprised when I initially saw it. But as the match was going, and as I saw his plan sort of unfolding, I'm talking about Tuchel here. Um, the Jorginho selection did make a little bit of sense. I mean, he, he wanted to establish control in this match, and he needs somebody that can sit in a deeper position and maintain control. And that's what Jorginho is really good at. So, like, and, like think and, of Mar- and, think of like Marco Verratti on uh, on yeah. PSG, like like that kind of player. You know, he he was so he was one of his favorite players. Uh, yeah. So and so I I don't know I I saw I saw. It. Jorginho as the first fit to fill that and I I predict that we'll see a lot of Billy Gilmore in that role and uh, the more that Tuchel sees him I think he's I think he's gonna fall in love with him I hope I I really hope he doesn't go out on loan yeah that's that's a big rumor he's not on the bench today because he's probably securing a loan move elsewhere Oh, did I jinx it? Oh shit! You're damn it. It's already right. done. Well, I'll I, go back and and delete this part out of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> the, the one thing I'll say, you mentioned variety. The one thing different there is that variety can defend. So yeah, I, I actually hope that if you're looking for a variety figure, it'll be Kovacic over Jorginho because outside of the, I think it was like they created two big chances in in the whole match which will be my nitpick of today, and they were through Jorginho. I mean, that that guy still scares me. I, I don't yeah. think – well, we kept possession, and we – I guess I'll drop that now. I mean, we broke a record for our highest possession and most passes for our new manager's first match, which I think last time it was broken, it was actually sorry. Uh, I think it, it still scared me every time he had the ball, for one, because you know Wolves have quick people in midfield, but – also, it's just Jorginho still doesn't progress the ball quickly enough for me. And I thought he and did to, today. I thought he was good today. I mean, he was moving the ball, but I still never th- saw a risky Cesc Fabregas-style pass, which yeah. I thought this performance was missing. I, I, I mentioned Cho was the only one that I thought maybe went off book mm-hmm. uh, out of the starters because, again, I think the starters played most of the match. So, so uh, for me, it was more... You know, we we saw Kai make more runs. We saw Siyesh make some runs. Giroud was really off pace today. But but out of if if these if if we noticed that Wolves, which they did today, was gonna sit back. Wolves was not looking to win this game at any point. Pedro Neto was the only player on the pitch for Wolves looking to win this match. If we already know that they're gonna sit back quickly, we also need to try to find up the pitch that pass quickly. And I just thought that. There was times where Jorginho would do his usual thing, which is the metronome, rather than the guy that finds that, you know, that way to thread the needle. So that was my one thing with him today. I just, I get it that that we're gonna try to keep the ball and, and move it around, but man, sometimes you just need someone that is looking up and forward and is thinking, yes, I can make that pass happen. Because in the off chance that you do, you can get a goal, which again we didn't get today. 
Yeah, because Jorginho's half of his Jorginho's passes were just right back to the player who passed it to him. You know, it's just like the, the, the metronome role, and that's just that's his that's the the type of player he is. And I again, like I said, I was actually happy with his performance. I I, I can't have too many complaints. Obviously, the the defensive woes, but uh, I don't know. He had a he had a couple. He did have a couple nice passes where he did look up the pitch and found the open player. But um, I don't know. I I, I kind of want to focus a little bit on Kovacic though, because he he played phenomenally, and like the one thing that that Jorginho lacks is just his that Kovacic excels in is his ability to bring the ball up the pitch. And he was more than just a metronome. He was like the conductor of the whole, <laughs> of the whole midfield. It was, it was really nice to see, but Andres, I'm sure you had a, a close eye on what he was doing. What, what did you see from, from him? Man, I just want to point out that curler where he tried to do his best Tony Kroos impression. Oh, and was no. so, so close from just an absolute piece to the upper 90. Disgusting. Yeah, uh, he, he broke Semedo's ankles. That man. was that was that was that should have been the goal that like brought us all hope and be like, "Oh my god, this is a brand new team. Look what we just did. Look at the Kovic goal we scores." <laughs> yeah, and Kovic just scores. Oh my god. I mean, I thought it was a vintage. I thought it was a vintage performance from Kovacic in terms of last season's Kovacic. There was times where you think, "Oh crap!" Somebody just gave him an emergency ball pass, and he's between three Wolves players. And, and next thing you know, he's somehow freed himself with his dribbling. Again, the the one complaint we all have with Kovacic is that he he's not the mount kind of player where he gets himself into the box. But he was he was good today. He was. I again, I don't want to get too positive because we did draw. So I'll say the one thing I didn't like was that I think today specifically he took to ground too soon in some of his slide tackles, and one of them actually took out Ziyech, which led to the Pedro Neto chance. After Jorginho yeah. got beat, he was trying to catch up, slid, <laughs> missed, and then Neto gets that one on one. So I'm just not a big fan of slide tackles in the middle of the pitch. So that that kind of kind of ticked me off, but I thought today he was great. I thought that he showed that he can play in a midfield too again in in that double pivot sort of role, which he struggled with a lot this season. Again, maybe some players just do better with a little bit of instruction, and and yeah, it, it was nice to see a rejuvenated Kovacic, especially when we're struggling so much as of late in terms of our form. Let's not forget he was our player of the season last year. Right. Mm -hmm. And easily, Vintage. I mean, easily our most important. It, it, it's not surprising. And I think this is the thing with Kovacic is he's he's one of those players that just never had just com full, complete blind faith in the manager, meaning he never got to seal his fate as a, as a permanent starting 11 player for us. He's always been in and out of the lineup. I mean, he'd come in for six or seven games. He'd have a little run where he'd, you know, pop into form and then pick up a knock. And then somehow, you know, he'd find himself back on the bench again. And he's just sort of had like this up and down trajectory here. But I think, I think, I think I, I have a good feeling about Tuchel um, when it comes to Kovacic because what Tuchel's trying to accomplish 
fits right into what Kovacic's natural abilities are. Um, you know, he's completely press resistant. Um, he has bite in his tackle, defensive awareness. Tactically, you could pretty much plug him in anywhere in the midfield. Um, he, he gives you a little bit of everything, and he kind of, and he can be that transition from defense to attack with his dribbling, how he could break through the lines as well. So, you know, the guy the guy brings a lot to the table, and and I think he's going to be one of the more important midfield players for us. And I think eventually, um, Tuchel's going to find himself uh, scratching his head at times with uh, selection headaches um, between you know guys like Ngolo Kante, Kovacic, Mason Mount. You know, if, if Billy Gilmore does come back into the fold, who knows? Jorginho, I mean, that's a guy who I'm expecting to be in and around the team for the rest of the season at the very least. I think Tuchel's going to sort of lean on him, actually, um, if I'm being completely honest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall it was a good performance from him. I, 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 I'm excited to see what's to come. But I'm more curious to see what this lineup would have looked like if Mason Mount got the start instead of Jorginho. I wonder that, how that balance was about. of Kovacic and Mason Mount would have worked. Yeah, I think I think Kovacic would be a lot more effective dropping in, um, you know, because Jorginho when when Jorginho gets caught, he gets caught on the ball. It's not because he's misplacing his passes um, or making bad decisions with his passes. That that's not the case. It's usually a matter of he's not athletic or quick enough or nimble enough to kind of squeak away from defenders and then. You know, play that release ball, and and that's what Kovacic is so damn good at. Um, so if you could mix that with Mount somehow, I think this lineup would have definitely found a goal, probably two or three, um, just from the, just from the dynamism that Mount probably would have brought the lineup. That's exactly what I was going to ask you actually, because like I just wanted to ask you about the sub because mm-hmm. he was brought in what the 82nd minute, and. Yeah. Uh, he made an impact in the what was it like 15 minutes he played with extra time uh and that glimpse of it i mean obviously you know the like we said before the british chelsea fans are gonna be uh just it was like you know upset about i don't know why i can't think of the right word but uh upset about Mason Mounts not starting, but I mean this kid started. I mean to play the full ninety of almost every match this season, so uh, I, I didn't have any problem with it. But seeing that last fifteen minutes, maybe the sub could have made a little been made a little bit sooner. Um, maybe I mean he only had three subs. He made the he had to he had to take Chilwell out first of all because um, Chilwell was was Struggling. awful. Yeah, which was like a he was shock to me. By Semedo. Yeah, it was very surprising, and uh, I mean, maybe he's just struggling to adapt to this because I mean, we when we looked our best is when we had two natural wingers playing as the wingbacks, and uh, maybe this three-four-three formation is not suited for Chilwell, but um, like as far as like all of the subs went. Like uh, when I was watching the match, I thought Giroud and Chilwell were the only two people who weren't really making an impact on the match, and uh, he I don't made, think those that's are the two fair. subs I mean, he made. I think they were making an impact. I just don't think it was coming off for them, especially Giroud. Chilwell, I, I think more so Chilwell in the first half and Giroud in the second half. But but to to quickly speak on Chilwell, um, that's one player that I know for a fact Tuchel will get the best out of. I know there's a lot of concern about you know the numbers that Chilwell put up under Frank 
and how he was probably one of Frank's best players, easily Frank's best signing, um, you know, in his reign. Um, so, you know, people are wondering how that's going to translate with Tuchel. And the thing with Tuchel is he, he likes his fullbacks to run beyond the strikers at times and become goal scorers. They, they actually score a lot of goals. Just look at Thomas Mounier and, and, and Bernat at a PSG last season. Um, constantly getting in the box and constantly making runs beyond the striker, which again fits Chilwell's uh, playing profile. If it's his characteristics, exactly. So I think it's going to come off for him eventually. He just looked a step behind today. Um, and again, you know, you give him the benefit of the doubt because there's only that, that, that one training session. Um, yeah. But when it comes down to Giroud, I think that's a more interesting debate. And I'm curious to see what Andres has to say about it. Um, because we've seen in Tuchel's um, like prior teams at Dortmund, he had Aubameyang, and then at PSG he was working with Mbappe and then Cavani at times. So you know, obviously strikers that are able to run and strikers that are able to move. Is Giroud yeah, a different and, type of striker for Tuchel? Oh, of course. And, and I mean, Giroud was bad today. I'm sorry. I, I I don't know. Thank you. What we saw differently, but. There was times where Kai and Ziyech were trying to make quick one-twos where the ball's in a no-look pass, and Giroud was never ready. And I don't know why that happened today, but not once did he, was he able to connect in those kind of creative motions from his two, I'd call them more inside forwards than wingers today. And, and uh, yeah, he had a few chances that are tap-ins happens and and he was again too slow to get there too slow to react to it first play of the game Cho puts a ball across mm -hmm. probably yeah. should get tapped in swing and a miss yeah. and, and it was a, a late swing it wasn't even that he got caught up with his own feet there was another one where he did get caught up in his own feet instead of shooting it first time it's just it you was expect weird. It the was younger strange. players to overcomplicate things and it was Giroud who is the most experienced guy in the team <laughs> outside of Thiago Silva making things hard for himself because the chances were there. That's the thing that was frustrating for me in this match is that we put it, maybe Tammy starts this game and we probably win it two nil. Honestly, it, it felt like Giroud just overcomplicated things for himself. Uh, before I forget this Sam, you mentioned the English people might be upset about Mount up until this point, Mount has the most minutes played this season. He's got over a hundred or about almost a hundred more minutes than Conte does. The man needs a break. And I think that was the only reason he wasn't chosen because if you watch the tape against Leicester and heck even against Lutton, Mount, Mount gave it so much effort. The man is, is like one sprint away from tearing a muscle. So for me, I didn't think twice about the fact that he didn't start today. I'm almost certain he will start this weekend. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not too fussed about that. Uh, Zach, I'm curious what you think about uh, having Kurt Zuma in this 3-4-3. I think it'll work. I mean, why, why wouldn't it? He, he, he's athletic. Um, he can get around the pitch. Um, I, I think he's definitely grown as a player technically where he could play with the ball at his feet and – Playing with the three at the back, it only provides you with more options to play the ball and simpler passes. So you can get away with having a guy back there who has a quote-unquote deficiency in passing, and that's if you're going to be cruel enough to pin that on Zuma. 
But I think I, I think he's going to be hard done by here because it, it's clear that Rudiger is going to be the preferred player. Um, you know, there's obviously that German connection there, and I think Tuchel has a familiarity with Rudiger as a player more so than than Kurt Zuma do, than he does with Kurt Zuma. Um, but ultimately, you know, you look at Aspi and 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 I think Aspi is going to be starting as that right center back if we're going to be playing a back three as long as we're going to be playing with a winger, um, a natural winger at wing back like Cho. Um, but I think if we're going to be starting a guy like Reese James there, then maybe you can, you can get away with putting Kurt Zuma there. Um, but yeah, no, I, that's an interesting one that I want to keep my eye on, uh, mainly because he was our best defender, um, all last season. Um, and our best defender in the big, in the beginning of this season as well. Um, and let's also not forget that we're also missing out on the aerial ability. I know Rudiger gets on the end of things at times, oh, but, and Havertz, the but the difference oh. between Zuma and, and, and Rudiger is, is freaking night and day. Um, yeah. Just look at the first goal or the second goal we conceded at Leicester where Rudiger forgot how to clear uh, with his head. <laughs> And just headed Happens it straight often. to a Leicester player. I'm pretty sure Zuma would thump that thing into the into into the attacking third. So I I, I want to say before you, before I get you to your next one, I, I really don't think we should get so hung up on the back three because I don't think it's going to be. I don't think that's going to be his go-to. Honestly, no, I no, think no. That's going to be a reason to some of the bigger teams. So I, I think, think yeah. the Zuma Tiago partnership can can come back sooner than later. But but that's what I'm saying. I think there's that. I think there's that. He feels more comfortable with Rudiger as a player. I think there's just more trust established there. Um, and and who knows? Maybe it's a German connection. Maybe it's just a coincidence that that he picked him today. But 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 I have a feeling that Rudiger is going to be seeing a lot more game time now. Well, that was the um, rumor or, when he when he was coming in that well, he would probably be selected more because of that German connection. Well, well, think about it. Um, you know, when he came he in under Antonio Conte, he started playing right away. When he well, also when Stuttgart, he, came... he played at Stuttgart, so you know he was in the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga for a little bit. So he he played against him when he was at Mainz or when he was at uh, Dortmund. I don't know. Well, well Rudiger has a knack. Rudiger has a knack for getting into the team when a new manager comes in. I mean, look at Antonio Conte came right into the team. Fabrizio oh, yeah. Sarri right into the team. Frank Lampard when he came back from injury right back into the team. Granted, he didn't keep his spot under Lampard, but Lampard gave him <laughs> that chance. He has that pedigree and he has that reputation as a player. So, um, and let's not forget, I mean, he is a Premier League champion technically. So, um, mm -hmm. you know. So the only reason why I asked about that back three is just because I'm so fascinated with the idea of having Cho and Pulisic playing as the wingbacks in order to have, you know, what we saw today, Havertz and uh, and who was on the other side of them? Ziyech. Yeah, Ziyech, sorry, plus whatever striker. And then the double pivot, if we can do Kovacic and Mason Mount, preferably. Uh, and I just, I just am curious how many teams we can get away with that defensively if uh depending on whoever is back there in the back three like is that is that is that something because i i'm just so fascinated by that once what i saw today from cho uh was <laughs> was magical and i really liked that role he played and i think if pulisic is comfortable doing that under two cold two that's i think that's the way we can 
get the most talent on the pitch at once. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, that's not always the best thing. Yeah, it's it's not very balanced. I mean, I think that maybe we'll see if we see it again. Maybe we see Reese James as a right wing back and then a Pulisic as a left wing back. I again, I think that we were just trying to to mirror Wolves, but a more offensive version of what Wolves is putting out. Uh, I think. Again, tactically speaking, it was more of a I'm not going to lose this game by putting four in the back and, and maybe getting outnumbered, but I'm also going to take advantage of what we have and, and make sure that at least those wingbacks that could quote-unquote build a back five are actually more of a threat pushing back the other wingbacks more so than absorbing their pressure. So, I, I, again, I, I know I said this all I really... Is it intriguing? Yes. I think the Pulisic move was was a, as a sub to, because at this point we were knocking at the door and, and we had had a few good moments and then it seemed like the, the that momentum kind of died down a little bit and that's when that sub came on with Pulisic and it, it, it just felt like a gung-ho, let's get this goal moment. But I I, I don't want to get too caught up on the 3-4-3 three, three, three just because I just it was one day we we he's been here for 24 hours so we don't even know if if this is going to be a thing i think that the performance of the player under his tactical instructions is important because let's just put it this way and and this is obviously now a very hot take but hmm. Usman Dembele from Ren was a nobody until Tuchel had him under his wing and yeah. then Barcelona bought him for a shit ton of money and now without Tuchel He's made out of porcelain and hasn't touched the soccer ball for more than maybe three games in a row. Hey, Neymar and Mbappe had two like their best seasons ever last year under him. Like, and you know, obviously, <laughs> those are two of the best players in the world. But he knows how to get the best out of them. Well, I want go ahead. Zach. I I, I want to make one quick point. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched every single match Tuchel ever played, but I know. I, I know this much, to the point where he builds his team around one particular attacking player that has pace. Like he likes to play with pacey strikers. He had one with Aubameyang, and then again, you know, with Cavani and Mbappe. When Werner comes back, I, one, I think he's going to play him at the nine. Um, I think that's a given. Um, but two, when that player isn't available. To, Tuchel will change up the formation to accommodate the other players' strengths. So they're not necessarily leaning on the same patterns and the same, you know, uh, uh, tactics while that player is out. So maybe that maybe that's why we saw a back three because Werner just wasn't there today. Maybe he has different plans for when Werner does come back into the team. Maybe he sees us with better balance playing a back four. And also our press looked the best it's looked all season. Um I mean, the the Athletic posted an article uh, last night about Tuchel's tactics at Dortmund and what to expect at Chelsea, um, and it shows you know how Tuchel's there's a graph in it showing uh, how Tuchel's team press compared to Klopp, uh, Pep, and Lampard. Um, Lampard last year ha- averaged around eight high turnovers per game, which is uh, turnovers in the opposing sides. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the opposing side's final third. Um, and he had about eight last season, and he went down to almost six this year. Um, and Tuchel is, you know, is is 
going up and up, trending every year. And Zach, you mentioned this stat um, before before we started recording about uh, how many balls we took away in the opposing half. Do you want to talk about our press? Uh, because that, that was something that we yeah. knew we had to look forward to. That was one of the first things Tuchel mentioned uh, in his post-match. They asked him, you know, his general feelings, and, and he mentioned the intensity and specifically the fact that they won the ball 16 times in the attacking third. Um, and again, that's mainly down to, one, the intensity of the counter-press, the commitment of all the players to to execute it properly, but two, um, we saw we saw an organization in our press. It wasn't an all-out press. I remember when Frank would select Jorginho, a big reason why I would get frustrated at him is because I would see him pressing with our wingers at times. I would see him getting caught out wide to make sure he's pressing the ball instead of checking back into the space. And even though the other team keeps possession, we at least have a chance to maintain our shape and players to come back. And now all of a sudden we got guys behind the ball again. We didn't see that under Frank whatsoever, and I think we're seeing that a little bit under Tuchel. Um, and, and one thing I noticed when we started the match, only our front three was really pressing, or technically, I guess it was a front five. But Jorginho and Kovacic were staying home. They were not moving out to the left and the right. And when they did, Tuchel would get at them. I remember there's one play specifically. I think Jorginho lost the ball right around midfield, um, way at the bottom of the screen. Um and Kovacic comes and picks it up and then just kind of continues play. And Tuchel is ripping them to get back into position. And one, that's something we didn't see Frank really doing, the emotion on the sideline, but that's a whole other issue. But two, it just kind of goes to show that Tuchel has that as a priority. Like we, we stay at home in the midfield and, and it's okay if the other team takes possession out wide. They're not going to do anything with it out there. And I think that mindset of having a little bit of caution and also giving the team that little bit of respect is something that's going to serve us really well and something that Frank was maybe a little bit too naive with in the sense that we press with all 11 players. And as great as it is and as much as you can get away with it against certain opposition that isn't that technical, when you're playing against a team like Wolverhampton that have small, nimble players, um, uh, guys like Adama, Podens, Neto, Ruben Neves is great with his feet. Um, you know, all these all, all these players on the pitch that are great at keeping possession and, and great at keeping it nice and tidy, you have to stay home. And I thought Tuchel was was spot on with that tactic specifically. And that was something that was refreshing for me. But but going back to the actual press itself, winning the ball 16 times in the attacking third is going to create opportunities on its own. And I think we saw that today. We were just missing that cutting edge. So it wasn't a matter of us not creating chances because we were. Um, the fact that we didn't score goals was because we were just missing. Andres, what do you think? <laughs> and, and the blame is going to go to Tuchel, but whose fault is it that none of our players are low in confidence in front of goal? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, everyone is going <laughs> to – if you're looking for something to blame Tuchel, you're going to find it. But he he basically instructed the player – you can take a horse to water, but you can't force him to drink. Like, I really don't know what was happening today. Chilwell missed – one of the easiest chances off of a cutback that I've seen all season. Again, Giroud, a couple of tap-ins. It's just, again, it just wasn't our day. The header at the end for Mount, unlucky. Oh, Havertz, Havertz had like a half chance off a rebound in the box. Yeah, the, the, the shot that curled, deflected, and Rui Patrizio still got to it. I mean, man, it just, those last 10 minutes, we just had no luck whatsoever 
I know, but... man. I mean, and you see the goal from the Sheffield Man United match. Did you see that <laughs> last goal? Like, it was a. I mean, first of all, that was like horrific, like defensive intensity from Man from Man U. They were just standing around, and the ball deflects off a defender, barely sneaks under the crossbar. It's like, where was that luck in our match? Like. Yeah, I'm glad to see Man United drop points to the team in the bottom of the table, but also I want two more points here. Come on. It was a little bit of luck. Like, we really don't get those lucky bounces and uh, whatever. But um, let's also, I want to touch on the hate from the British media post match because it was just really funny. Um, Mirror is definitely number one on my list of worst publications out there like <laughs> every single headline just makes me laugh they had one last night or two nights ago they were talking about you know uh they're talking about tiago's very obscure comments about tuchel's uh firing at psg and <laughs> insinuated obviously that there might be some bad blood some tension or whatever and the title of that headline was Silva Surfer. Uh, dude, I, I'm like, come on. This is such a tabloid. And then after after the match today, like the the front page of the Mirror Sport is shows Tuchel like looking up into the sky like, why? And then a picture of Jorginho and Kovacic with their hands on their head. And the headline is, frankly, that was rubbish. Tuchel vows to make Blues a team nobody wants to face after a display that nobody wanted to watch. It's just, it's unbelievable the amount of hate that we're going to be getting uh, from all over uh, English media. But, I mean, did, did you notice that too, Andreas? Like, it was just so bad. Dude, it was not just that. Even before the match, I think it was Matt Law, who I've lost a lot of respect for in the past oh, week. Yeah. He, he posted something along those like, the combined age of the back three is 94 years old. <laughs> like that was, that was kind of, that, wow. was, that was a little cheeky. You can do math. Like good for you. Didn't he we said, just come no, up? No, he said, this he said the average age, I think. And I think he was saying that as a joke, right? Or did he say combined no, 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 age? No, no, no. Let, me, let me find, I think it was combined. I thought but he was making a there, joke, but yeah. Uh-huh. There was that. And then there was it, another, it was thing the, all was, the, it was the Rudiger thing that, it was like him saying that he had an outburst. No, no, it was, it was the combined Dave. age. So it's a very interesting period. Combined age of back three is ninety-four. Oh. oh my god! Give me a freaking break! Like now he's just gonna look for any little thing to to like come at Tuchel just because he wrote that Rudiger was trying to fight Aspie and then everyone is saying that Rudiger didn't want to fight anyone, so now he looks like an idiot. Like I'm sorry, man. Like. Sorry that we have a German manager because Lampard didn't work out this time around. Like, geez, like move, move along. Like, if you're supposed to be the mouthpiece of Chelsea, like, don't, don't come with this BS hate. Like, so high school petty to just find one thing on the lineup. Not like, oh, interesting, we're running a back three again. We haven't done that in a while. No, no, no. The back threes combined age is 94. You talked about the. Frankly, that was what was the the thing that the, was. I don't know the, the title of the, head, the headline. Yeah, it was, it was frankly that was rubbish. 
<laughs> yeah, rubbish. That's what it was. Then there was another thing that called it a frustrating draw. I'm like, listen, <laughs> the man had a late evening walkthrough practice. And even then, we looked far better than we have in since October. As so, far as I'm concerned, you don't even have to explain yourself. I think the bias yeah. kind of shows itself, unfortunately. Yeah. For someone, for, for someone that that is so like, you know, his sources are 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 usually valid. I mean, that's when he, you know, when when he drops an article, we listen or we read it, right? And I, and 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 I guess he just kind of, I don't know. His beef with Christian Falk was amazing. Because <laughs> hilarious, he he, he disputed uh, that whole cla- the Rudiger and Dave clashing thing, <laughs> uh, and he responded to someone uh, who responded to that saying, "I stand by everything I've written, but I respect Christian, and I do not want a public Twitter fight. I've contacted personally to let him know my feelings." <laughs> and then Christian Fall continues to retweet Matt Law fact checking him whether true false true false and matt he responds again christian seriously do what you need to do but don't involve me with your silly true and false like dude this is this is grade a twitter drama comedy like you cannot find this anywhere else but on football twitter and this was this was after just like I mean, the whole sacking of Frank was just a complete shit show. It was really funny. Yeah, but, I, I uh, just think that a- anybody it could have been it could have been the greatest manager of all time coming after Frank, and they were gonna find a reason to complain just because it was no longer a Chelsea legend. Like, yeah, Tuchel has, even though he said to this point, I think he said everything perfect in the media. I really yeah. do. Yeah, he hasn't Everyone made any is mistakes. Find something wrong, and. And, and while speaking of the media, I don't know if you caught – did you guys catch Cho's post-match interview? No, I didn't. So two podcasts ago, I talked about how we haven't heard a player go into the X's and O's like James Madison – or sorry. What's his name? Madison. What's his first name for Lester? It is James okay. Madison. For like some the, reason, the founding I, I, I and thought I named an American <laughs> – yeah politician for some There's reason james madison the founding father <laughs> there it is okay so i'm not name. crazy but but cho afterwards american i never put two and two together before holy shit <laughs> I just realized I, went, I went to law school so i, I a terrible american. I james madison crazy. is the father of the constitution i had to Thank take you. constitutional law and he's also a, a center mid for lester there you go <laughs> so, so my point was that Cho was obviously post-match man of the match press conference. And uh, he spoke about the obvious vision this manager has. And last night in training, he told us how he wants us to be playing and moving. And it was just like, holy cow, a player is talking about tactics in a post-match presser. It's been 18 hours. It was just like, uh, I, I, I smiled. Twitter is crazy. Speaking of Twitter, we actually have some Twitter questions. Um, what a segue. Thank you. Uh, this first one's from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He asks, all things considered, not a bad start. 
now what was your biggest positive that you saw today i think kai was great and cho phenomenal in my opinion and what was your biggest negative outside of not scoring and then he instructs us to break it up into two um so thanks for that ron thanks for the instructions um so I'm, i'll start off i can't believe how happy i am <laughs> after a draw like I, I it's really odd to me but um just I, th I i think kai was was very very surprising probably his best match uh still just didn't put the f you know the finishing piece he ha he had one shot early on that should have been a goal that was blocked by a defender like that was going into the goal um obviously the header right at the end uh, he had that I have one the stats run. Up here, so I yeah. think I, I think the most notable one before you continue is his total touches. He had eighty in the ninety minutes. So I mean, heavily involved. Yeah, and he, and also he his speed was on full display with that one run. The ball just got away from him on the last touch, but it's like it it, it makes me so sad to know that Frank was not able to get the best out of such a pure talent and i don't know if it's whether you know frank was such a talented player himself and he's just like come on just go out there and do it you know like you're a talented player like i don't have to tell you what to do and i, I the, what what i saw today was very very encouraging and i think obviously the board is more uh worried about kai havertz's performance because of how much they paid for him whereas you know Werner, i think we got good value for him Kai Havertz, 75 million. It, it was really nice to see. And then the biggest negative, I thought, um, I thought Chilwell looked uh, really poor today, and that's the negative for me because you know I'm I'm still riding hard on the Chili train. So uh, I th I I'm, I have faith in him uh, in a in a back four rather than Tuchel's uh, modified three four three. What about what about you, Andres? What did you think? Uh, my big positive today was the fact that we can we showed signs of running a pressing style successfully. Again, through one quick practice, I think the pieces are there for our players to be able to do that for a full ninety, and it that's just going to make our life easier down the road, especially against teams that are not looking to to attack at all. So I thought that was really great to see. I mean, there was times where we were winning the ball back within a breath. And it would, I would be, you know, I'd look away if we lost the ball and I, I look back on the screen and boom, we're attacking again. So that was really nice. Uh, the negative, again, I mentioned had just, and again, this comes down to the players. I don't think this is a Tuchel instruction, but just, just the lack of, of, Still a slight lack of creativity up t up front. There was glimpses of, of something better, but there was still a little bit of hesitation around the box. Um, I'd like a little bit more decisiveness from our players there, and I think that's just going to come with more practice uh, under the new manager. Zach? Yeah, I agree. I also think that all of them are pretty much out of form. So I think one of them I, – I, I think when one gets in form and really starts – to get confident it's just going to kind of bleed into the rest of the attack hopefully um i think for me the biggest positive today was the general attitude of the team um you know the players the, the players knew where they needed to be 
the intensity was just right for the full 90 minutes you didn't get a sense that we dropped off or 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 necessarily got fatigued to a point where wolves began to dominate the game yeah there were a few shaky moments i think those are going to be ironed out over time but um, just a general attitude of the team was was something we haven't seen in a while. And, and, and it shows us something, that they have a little bit of character, um, which is important because performances as of late have, have shown otherwise. Um, now, in, in terms of the negatives, um, for me, we did look a little vulnerable on the counterattack. I know we were talking about it um, before we started recording. Um, and, and personally... From what I observed, I saw two specifically that me and Andres mentioned before um, where Jorginho uh, was like the culprit, where that's where the hole was in our midfield. Um, and we'd basically get our whole midfield line and defensive line would get deleted with one pass. Um, we saw that a few times. Um, that's something that Tuchel's going to identify. I think he needs to see Jorginho in person a few, you know, uh, and, and, and get a better feel for him as a player. Um, so he can learn and, and figure out a way to integrate him into the team, but also give him the protection that he needs as well. Because, um, you know, no matter what manager comes in, I think that's a, that's a definite, uh, um, issue that they have to deal with, um, when selecting Jorginho is as much as you're going to benefit, um, in the attacking sense and in terms of the tempo, you're also going to lose out defensively uh, because he's not very mobile um, and positionally he's not necessarily the greatest either. So um, yeah, it's a balancing act, but, but, but one that, you know, I, I, I think he could handle it just based on the way that, that he set up the team in his first game. Um, it, it gave me a lot of confidence that I think he could handle it. Uh, let's go on to the next question. This one's from Kurt Lear. He asks, I think we should have zero expectations. Well, actually, wait, is this a question? Yeah, it is. Uh, I think we should have zero expectations since Tuchel had only one training session. From that standpoint, I think it was a good start. Weird he put Pulisic on the right when he came in. Didn't he play on the left in Dortmund? Uh, I think I read earlier that he played a lot of right wing back at Dortmund. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, did. he was mostly on the right. We Whenever we signed him, went back in – Back when Sari was still manager, and then he was he finished the season under uh, back at Dortmund, Batshuayi was over there, and and Pulisic was crossing to him from the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, that summer he goes plays in the Gold Gold Cup or, or whatever it was for the U.S. and then he gets deployed on the left, and that's when we see him be on the left side here, post Hazard. But I think we all thought he was going to be coming in to replace Willian. And we were all hoping Hazard would stay on the left side. So, yeah, Pulisic at Dortmund was mostly on the right side, I believe. I'm, I'm trying not to confuse my Dortmund sides. I believe Guerrero played left, left wing back at the time that Tuchel was there. And, yeah, I'm, I can't think of who the other left-sided player was, but for the most part, he was on the right side. He had one really good game on the left side against Bayern, but but again, most of the things I can remember from Bundesliga, he was on the right. It was uh, it was it would be like Schmelzer, I think. I was thinking, I was trying to think of the front three. I guess Royce was already in the team. Oh, uh, I don't know why uh, I'm thinking of backs. So 
Goza played in the front three a lot. Again, they were inside forwards more so than wingers in yeah. his system. So a little bit of a different role. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, that yeah. if that's one that, that he sees fit for Pulisic, I mean, again, we only saw 90 minutes of, of what Tuchel's put together so far and what the players have put together so far. So if that's where he sees Pulisic's best position, then, yeah, I mean, I think he should get a run out there. Um, I know that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. I personally don't think that's his best position. So I think what we saw from him on the left was hazard-esque. Um, and, you know, that ability to just kind of make shit happen when no one else is willing to um i think that's why he's better served over there but hey um if we need his width on the right and i mean with his crossing ability i can see i can see the benefit so all right let's move on to the next question this one's from at black emoji he asks since tuchel basically gets a free pass for the rest of the season what's a decent achievement league wise and cup wise come the end of the season uh, I think definitely top four in the league is, I think, I think that's the expectation. That's a given. Bringing in Tuchel. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's a number one priority for the board. Um, as far as domestic cup, um, I think if we can make it to the quarterfinals of the FA cup, I would be happy. Obviously, you know, anything further would be a bonus. Uh, and if we can, if we can just get out of the first round of the knockout stages of Champions League, that would be that would be an achievement for sure, I think. Against Atletico, that would be an achievement. And anything beyond that again was just an it would just be an added bonus, especially to my Mason Mount uh, road to the finals card and FIFA Ultimate Team. <laughs> <laughs> no, um I, I, I think top four top four is the target. Um, especially right now. I mean, we're we're in eighth now. Saul mentioned earlier today, when you look up uh, the, the table on our cell phones, we don't have to scroll to see uh, our name in the table. We're <laughs> but you right do there have at to, the bottom uh, of the screen, number eight now. Um, <laughs> at number nine. <laughs> at number nine, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, th- I, I, I think it's top four. But, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of – throw my hat in the ring here and say that I think Tuchel has a really good chance of, of, of actually getting a domestic cup um, because of the knockout format. He has the ability to, you know, kind of set teams up based on the opponents. And, and, you know, that athletic article used a really, a really good term. They called them a, a tactical chameleon. So, so I think, that ability to kind of adapt to the other teams and, and other approaches is going to suit him really well. And, and, you know, these managers aren't very familiar with him, so they're not privy to what type of changes he might make or might not make and what players he favors and doesn't favor. He still doesn't even know what his best team is. So that might come to his advantage, but at the same time, it might bite him in the ass. But since I'm a Chelsea fan, I think that that's going to, I think that that's going to help us out quite a bit. Um, for me, I think my expectations are a little bit lower, unfortunately. I think, I mean, I look at the table and obviously some names are going to drop off. I mean, you, you you have City and United at the top, Leicester, West Ham, three and four, Liverpool fifth, Tottenham sixth. Um, both Tottenham and Everton have two games ahead than us. So that three point gap is, is a bit of a, of a asterisk, but Outside of 
West Ham obviously dropping out of the top four. I can't see them staying there the whole season. I don't think that Liverpool's bad run of form is going to last very long. So I think fifth place I would be okay with just because we just dug ourselves too big of a hole at that point. Is, is top four completely out of the picture? No, but I think it is going to be a little bit tougher than than we think because it is a, quite the mountain to climb at this point. Um, Champions League-wise, Atletico is pretty, pretty solid in, in La Liga still. I don't know if they may prioritize that to an extent. Uh, they still have a 10-point gap, which is scary because they also have a game in hand. Um, I'd love to beat them and at least get past one more round in the Champions League. But, yeah, I think the FA Cup is the big one. Uh, City is looking to, to try to win the title again, and, and so they're probably the team I'm most scared of in the FA Cup. And I don't see them prioritizing that trophy over winning another league title. So, yeah, I agree with Zach in terms of Tuchel being uh, a new, a little bit different than when Conte was here because Conte brought the 3-4-3 and, and kind of made it made it cool. And it took a while for people to react to that. Tuchel's going to just do something different week in and week out if he has to. So, yeah, we have the pieces to even ad- adapt as quickly as he's adapting. And, and I think that as long as we can get a good – you know, get that that good feeling back in Stanford Bridge and, and get a few games running. I think that will be one of the favorites for the FA Cup. I mean, City's looking absolutely unreal right now. Like, I think I think they are going to win the league this year. I think United again. There's sh- like every other team has been shaky, and City just had a rough City's start. City's getting it together. I mean, yeah. they look they, they were look my unreal today. Pick. They were. Yeah, they were my pick too. They won. Uh, they won five nil, most recently. Then three one, two nil, four nil, one nil, three nil. Remember the three one win against us? They're just yeah. knocking in goals left and right. It's it's uh, scary. I mean, if you look. So like, if you're looking at the table, like West Ham in four, Liverpool in five. You're saying Liverpool will probably pick up in form. Um, you know that that's five point that's that's right now like a five point five six point gap between us and them uh mm-hmm. so if you're looking at leicester at third and united that's like a nine to ten point gap right now um so maybe you're right andreas it is it's a it's a lot to ask for but i think if we like you know he asked like what would be considered an accomplishment i think finishing top four would be absolutely an accomplishment maybe we can finish top five and root for city to wait did city made it out of the knockout stage right in champions league yeah, yeah they did yes so we can root for them to win champions league so we they were can... the highest scoring team in the group stage i think yeah so let's 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 make that our plan let's sneak into <laughs> fifth root for city they win champions league so that that fifth spot becomes a champions league spot and we sneak I, in that i way. think fifth I think fifth place is still a decent achievement as long as he created a, a philosophy here. I'm not if celebrating. He, I don't want to be in Europa. Next I don't know year. about you guys. I'm okay, not celebrating. Obviously not, but I'm sorry. We were. It'll be an before, achievement. Sure. It'll it would be an, be an achievement just based on the fact that where he, he's coming in mid-season and a team that can't everyone they just saw today. Nobody could freaking hit the frame like that. I'm sorry, but getting if we're, if we're within arm's reach of top four and we win the FA Cup, 
I'll take it. I, I really don't think – I think we're playing down the damage Frank Lampard did to these players' confidences and the run of form that we went on. Hmm. But were you watching today? They looked so confident. They had it all back. I'm not I'm, I'm not saying we're going to finish in top four. I just don't think that it would be considered an accomp. I, I think an accomplishment is the wrong word. An accomplishment is the opposite of a failure. So for me, fifth place, I'm not going to be sad. Tuchel-wise. Overall the in the season. What's that? Is that the definition of an accomplishment? Depends in my head, the opposite. In my head we're... If it's if the opposite of for a manager's job to be an accomplishment, the other side would be that he failed to achieve his goals. Like, yeah, I I'm with you, Andres. He, yeah, I'm just giving you a hard time. Un- unfortunately, came to a, a fucking dumpster fire. We have <laughs> we have pieces to put that fire away, but that doesn't mean it's gonna go away right away. You know, it's bad no, when no, Andreas cusses. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I I don't think it's looking. Uh, too good for top four but 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 i do think that the team has i i think we have the quality both in terms of manager now and player personnel mm-hmm. to where we can we can get hot and and who knows if we can sneak up and win these next three or four matches if we can get past this burnley and tottenham uh these two fixtures i think i I, I think we'll be in for a really good run, but but that that is a big ask, and that's the thing. I mean, the, the Tottenham match, there's probably points to be dropped there between not but not just between you and me, but between you, me, and every Chelsea fan. Um, I don't think anyone's looking at that and saying, "Yep, three points." That's that's a tough one. So who knows? Um, but yeah, guys, I mean, that, that kind of brings us to the end of the episode today. Um, if you're not already following us on Twitter, make sure you are. Uh, our Twitter handle at Romans Empire Pod. You can also email us Romans Empire Pod at gmail.com. And uh, we're also on Instagram as well, uh, which is the same handle as Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. Um, boys, it was fun as always. Tuchel's our manager now. Um, I think I think it's important to not to not dwell on the past, but look towards the future, right? And I think we're doing a really good job of that. So. Onwards to uh, the Burnley match, and until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.